Hi there guys, I uh, hope you're doing well and welcome to podcast number six, just a chat with Chris, sorry Chris, Ashley and myself. Um, thank you for everybody who's been commenting uh, on what we've been doing and giving us feedback and uh, obviously check out the links on Spotify etc because we are on there too. So today uh, in this episode we're coming from a training's perspective so we're going to uh, come from how to set up a programme, how to progress through a programme and kind of common mistakes we encounter as coaches and trainers. Uh, so hopefully help you that. So we're going to kick off and, and start with you, Ashley. Um, you know, how, how do you normally set up your, your kind of programs and things like that for, and training for clients? Yeah, I think it's um, it's really important that you, at the beginning, you know where you are, where you, you know, where you've been and where you want to go. It's hugely important. And, you know, um, as PT, PTs, we call it like the SMART principle where each letter of SMART stands for something different. So the first letter, S, is specific, all right? So you want to make sure that your goal is in, in line with your needs, all right? So that what you need is, you know, the top of your priority. So we've kind of touched on it before, like, you know, don't start running if you don't want to be a runner, you know what I mean? If you want to lose weight, like, make sure that, your, you know, your needs and your goals match together. So be specific, you know, you want to lose a stone, something like that, okay? You know, then the M in SMART stands for measurable. So how are you going to measure your results? You know, like you need to ensure that there's an accurate way that you can measure what you're trying to do. So, you know, if it's to, you know, if it's to lose inches, then you want to make sure you're measuring your inches. So for example, you might want to, um, monthly, bi-weekly, just set whenever you're going to do your measurements. So you might want to measure neck, chest, waist, hips, you know, they're the, probably the main ones. Then you can go into your arms, your, your thighs and your calves and stuff if you wish to. But you want to make sure that they're measurable. How are you going to measure, you know, if you want to lose two dress sizes, how are you going to measure that? So make sure you pick something that's specific to how you want to measure. If you wanted to make lose weight, you would make sure that you weigh yourself. So make sure that whatever your goal is, you're, you know, you're able to measure it and you're able to track it. You know, so again, when it comes to exercise, if you're trying to, you know, increase your squat by 20 kilos, you need to make sure that you're logging all your workouts so that you can see how much closer you're getting to increasing it by 20 kilos. Um, another thing then, the A is achievable you know are your results achievable within your time frame you know it, this is hugely important in order to keep you motivated you know because if you're giving yourself right i'm gonna you know i'm gonna drop three dress sizes in a month how often do we see that yeah mm. we see that all the time we want instant results oh. and it's just not gonna happen so that's not achievable and nine times out of ten when people come to me and say like i'm struggling with motivation and i say what's your goal it's like oh well i wanted to lose two stone in a month yeah. and i'm like well you know no wonder you have no motivation because you would need to just be sitting sucking on lettuce leaves you know every single day and you know that's not going to happen so whatever your goal is you know make sure that it's achievable within the time frame that you're giving yourself you know they are then that kind of matches in a little bit and it's realistic you know are your goals realistic like let's be honest here if you in, you have a takeaway every week and you drink at the weekend and you've got no control over your nutrition and you haven't followed any workout program consistently you know all of a sudden deciding that you want to lose two stone and run a marathon like it ain't gonna happen you have to be realistic as to where you currently are really look at where you are and look at where you want to be and go is that realistic you know and if it's not it doesn't mean that you can't achieve that goal it just means you need to break it down a little bit you know if you wanted to run a marathon but you have all those you know lifestyle traits i just said you know wanting to run a marathon in three months isn't realistic running it in you know nine months if you make little changes now to your lifestyle it, you could be able to do that so it's making sure that your goal where you are everything you're trying to achieve is realistic and then the last one is the, the, the time, you know, what frame are you trying to adhere to? Is it, you know, three months, six months, nine months? And within that, it's actually okay to do these over that time. So you can have your, your we call them the SMART goals. You can have 
a set of them for three months, set of them for six months, and a set of them for nine months, and a set of them for 12 months. So you can start and you go, right, by 12 months, I want to do this, and you do your SMART goals. Then you go, right, well, in nine months, I won't quite be where I want to be in 12, but I'll want to be here. And then six months and three months, so that then you have a solid target of where you kind of want to be three, six, nine, 12 months from where you are right now. So don't think you have to do, you know, goals that are from now to a year. You can break it into little chunks, manageable chunks, so that you can make sure that, you know, you can stick to what you're trying to do. So if you take those principles, you know, be specific, make sure your goal, your goal is measurable, make sure it's achievable, make sure it's realistic, and make sure um, that you have a set time period then you will be able to um, have a better idea of the direction you need to go. And a lot of the time, people don't think about that before they start a program. They just go, oh yeah, this will be a fantastic idea, whoosh, and away they go, and they haven't thought about that. And it's important that you do to understand where you really are, you know, it's easy to get into that phase of, well, before I was like this, and assuming that that's what you're like now. So it's important to just make sure you understand those things before you even go into anywhere. And obviously as coaches, like that's what we help you with if people come to us that you know haven't got those. But it's also important for you to understand the direction you want to go personally. And, you know, then you can look at the next stage, which will be, you know, to try and, you know, work out how to then get there. You know, you've worked out your specific, measurable, achievable, realistic time. And then you need to look at how you're actually going to get there. You know, what do you need to do in your daily, weekly, monthly life in order to get there? Um, so just take your time, work out what they are and really understand and make sure it's realistic and then you will be all set. Um, but yeah, I just wanted to make sure everybody kind of understood that that is hugely important to know at the beginning before you even do anything and reassess it, like I said, every three, six, nine, 12. You can do it even more than that if you need to. But um, yeah, just make sure you have a look and know exactly where you are, where you've been and where you want to go. Great point, Ash. And, and, and me, I actually do almost like what you've done there in the consultation because we get a lot of clients coming to us that don't like let's say listen i've got no no idea what to do or anything like that so in my consultation initially you know i'll uh, get, ask them sort of things so what you want to do where you want to be all this kind of stuff and then you kind of get those answers from it and you can kind of get that plan in place at the end i can say right here we are this is what we want to get and this is the time frame yeah then we kind of go for there yeah, absolutely. I think I think if you think back uh, to a consultation process, how many times have you had a client come in and their goal's really big? Um, and as a coach, we need to make it super detailed and specific. Otherwise, if we miss out all these little details, there's a chance we're not going to be getting to that goal. Um, and... I think the same applies to when, when we're going to actually get into the training aspect itself and, and get set on the training. So my two, two things for training is one, set out a plan. And again, that plan has to be specific to the per person because everyone's starting from a different level. Um, and um, two, it has to be, you have to be, have some way of logging or tracking the numbers along the way. Um, so keeping a logbook, um, I have my clients record it on a spreadsheet, whether or not they, they bring a logbook into their training sessions and record it on the logbook and then transfer to the spreadsheet or just have the spreadsheet open during the training sessions, I don't mind. But as long as we're tracking the numbers along the way, um, that can be in itself highly motivating um, because you know, you're going into each session with something new, a new number to hit um, and, and way to progress. But if we're looking from the point of view from a beginner, um, I think number one essential is to build technique, stability, control, um, balance with all the movements. Um, because if those, that foundation isn't there um, and you go straight into um, a heavy set of squats, 
straight at the start of your program or even just going into a barbell squat, the chances of injury are going to be much higher. Yeah. Um, the chances that you're not going to be effectively connect to the muscle groups that are meant to be working in the movement are not going to be there. So you're not going to progress as effectively. We can give a beginner any sort of training stimulus. It doesn't matter. They will progress. But these are habits that you should ingrain early on. So these learning the techniques, uh, learning cues should be ingrained early on. So that's kind of, you know, so you can progress later on and you're not going to injure yourself later on. And I think for myself, I probably learned in the hard way. Um, you know, when I, when I was training, when I was maybe a bit younger, like when I was 18, when I got into training, I didn't, I didn't go on forums. I didn't like research any of this. So I just went straight into training. Um, and just like, you know, I think it was with a few mates and that and they're like, right now squat. And I wish I did it the other way around because it would have saved a whole lot of time, you know? Um, so learn the proper techniques and cues and I'm still learning, you know, um, but, you know, how many times do we see that though? Like, yeah. you know, when you're walking around gyms and you just see like a bunch of lads and it's like one person's working out, the other three are just standing <laughs> watching and it's exactly. like, you see them struggling, bent backs, so all this, trying to do their exercise just to say to their mates that they lift it, you, you know, and not one of them is actually paying attention to the form, how it's lifted. It's just, oh, I lifted like a hundred kilos and you're looking at them and going, yeah, but you might break your back. Yeah, I know. <laughs> it's, it, it's no good. Well, for me, like, yeah, I see that. But um, for me, what's really inspiring for myself is looking at everyone kind of above my level. Um, so I would say I'm a pretty small fish in a huge pond. And I'm, I'm obviously kind of getting into my bodybuilding and stuff. And I watch some of these guys who are, who are probably a good, by like five to ten years above me in training experience and the amount of intensity that they can give to that session is just unbelievable um, and I'm still learning that and be aware that you're always going to be learning um, throughout the whole process so you don't just go in straight in, in and that's you know after a few months you learn everything it takes time to build those connections to the muscles it takes time to understand how to properly contract the muscle um, and I think that's something which is for me which what makes me want to keep going you know like if someone if you have the mindset of yeah that's me done I, I know everything now you'll get bored and you'll stagnate um, so and so what, what about someone Chris who's like so they've worked out what their smart goals are and mm. it comes to the program what kind of things would you want them to take into account yeah so I think, I think for, from a beginner's point of view, um, we need to take into account a few things. Um, let, let's think about kind of think about what workouts, if we're, we're talking about training, what workouts are going to give you the most bang for your buck. And typically I would advise if you're starting out some sort of a full body split, um, probably, probably almost all the time a full body split, to be honest yeah. with you. I wouldn't even start going into an upper lower split straight off the bat um, because um, you know you're going to adapt very quickly you need to understand um, you're going to get the most value of that and you're going to you're not going to be able to recover as quick as someone who's um, been training for a long time and um, so you know if you went straight into a body part split let's say um, and you just did a whole day of chest um, your chest is going to be absolutely buggered for like yeah. a whole week um whereas someone who's been training for quite a while will be able to recover from from that a lot easier and um, so i would start with the think about what split you're going to do mainly a full body split if you're not used to training you know think about your training frequency how many times a week you're going to do two to three times is enough again yeah. let's go back to let's go back to ashley's um what she was saying about the smart goals something which is realistic. Do you think it's realistic to assume that you're going to do five days a week if you've come from an absolute beginner's standpoint, you haven't done too much exercise and going straight into five times a week? Again, you're just going to knacker yourself. So frequency is really important thing to consider um, right at the beginning. Two to three times is enough. 
you want to get away with the least amount of work possible all the time. Okay, yeah, so preach. you want to progress. <laughs> you want to progress from the least amount of work possible because then there's room to progress, you know. And so once you mastered the two to three times a, a week, and you're not you're not seeing any more results off that, you might want to increase it to another time of the week. And then in those full body sessions, let's think a bit about your selection of exercises. So. Um, if we think about key, usually most programs are formed on sort of, apologies, that's a phone call. Um, uh, sorry about that. Um, yeah, uh, most uh, programs, um, if you're thinking about a strength-based program, a hypertrophy program, they're based on key kind of movement patterns. And if you think about it, you can break that down into kind of horizontal pushing movements, um, vertical pushing movements, so your shoulder presses, um, horizontal pulls, vertical uh, vertical pull, like a lat pull, chin-ups, whatever. Um, and there's always a scale, uh, apologies. Um, there's always a scale for progression with these. So um, you can always start easier and go higher. And then when you get more technical, you'll be getting into sort of the stuff that you do, guys, with your, your Olympic lifts and stuff. If you look at the lower body, we've got a squat pattern um, and uh, like a hip extension um, pattern sort of hip hinge pattern um, and then you could break it down into knee flexion as well but uh, with like or unilateral work with like lunges and stuff but learn those key fundamental patterns and um, it might require you obviously I would always start with kind of like your body weight stuff before you progress um, to weighted stuff to form that basis of stability and control before you progress into um, sort of the weighted stuff um, so you have control over that weight, you, you're able to um, feel the correct muscles working in the movement, etc. before going on to that. So these are key, learning those patterns before going into some of your bigger movements um, if you want to progress that way. And then obviously your recovery, which comes really comes down at the beginning to the frequency of training. So if you're doing two to three times a week, um, you want to make sure you're on top of your recovery in the days between. Um, so you're doing the necessary, necessary recovery protocols, getting enough sleep, um, your nutrition is on point, um, making sure you stretch, foam roll, etc. Um, and that's going to set, set you up for good, good steads to begin with, to be honest with you. Um, a lot of beginners will get away with just doing three times a week for six, six months to a year probably. And they'll, they'll, begins, yeah. they'll still keep seeing results after that. Yeah. And if, if you set that foundation in place, you're going to set yourself some really good steps for later on and progressing and not, you're not going to get injured and you're not going to hit too many plateaus. Um, but some of that process might require you to hire a coach, um, to be honest with you, uh, because the coach will keep that on top and do all the, the thinking and guessing work for you. So um, that can certainly help, you know. Um, but that's probably my kind of starting point. And remember when you start, I think people like we've mentioned this in previous podcasts get too caught up in the set amount of reps and the set amount of sets you're doing. There's always going to be ranges to begin with. Typically we'd start with the sort of higher rep ranges um, to get a good amount of, um, uh, you know, practice with those sets and then, you know, going to those lower lower rep ranges, that requires quite a high level of skill to be able to, you know, once you're able to judge um, um, how many reps off from failure you are, then you can go into sort of slide down um, into those lower rep ranges. You need to be able to know what your failure point is and how many reps you are away from that. And that takes time to, yeah. to kind of get that, you know. Um, but yeah, I agree with you yeah, wholeheartedly, guys. I mean, I am pretty much identical. You, it all starts with the smart goals, and I and I initially try and do that in the consultation. Um, if somebody comes to me and say, "Listen, I want to run a marathon," great. Or you know, oh, by the way, I'm getting married in a year's time. Then we know we've got the time and the things that, and it's achievable, etc., etc. But I try and go through that at the start, um, and you know, but we, we see quite a lot of the time. You know, people coming in, like you said, Chris, saying, listen, I have no idea what I want to do or where I want to go and everything. So that's that, That's kind of 
a fundamental for me right at the very start. And then, like what you said again, Chris, I'll do a movement assessment with my clients when I'm initially setting them up and then put them in a plan where they're doing something hip dominant, knee dominant, a push pull, vertical push and pull, and then a brace and rotate, and then get them to do that three times a week. So something hip dominant for the hamstrings, knee dominant for the quads and glutes, push for the chest, pull for the back, uh, a vertical push for the shoulders and a vertical pull for the back as well. So I think we're all kind of singing from the same hymn sheet with the smart goals and kind of going around that as well. Uh, it's hugely important to just get that out of the way at the start. Whether you have a coach or not, you need to sit and just work out where you want to be. It's so, so important. Yeah. Yeah, and the good thing is, is what I do as well as a movement assessment, it's what I, I will never, ever do with a client and what I would not like anybody to do is, like we're saying, just get some generic programming and go in with no kind of skill and say, right, I've got something off a website. I'm going to do like chesty or something like that. Um, so, you know, if I, say for example, if I get a squat, for example, uh, I'll get, if somebody really can't squat, I'll get them to do a, a Swiss ball squat against the ball and then progress from there in a bodyweight squat and then from there in a split squat, you know, foot raised or lunge. Then, We'll do some kind of goblet squat and then from there maybe get something with a bar. So there's kind of almost five stages where I take a client mm -hmm. through. So it's getting that skill set right. Um, because what we don't want to do is we don't want our clients to, to kind of burn out as well. And it's like every exercise, there's progressions with them all. But like Chris has said, if you... Uh, sorry, I'm pointing my pen now. Create, <laughs> getting serious. <laughs> uh, if you create... Uh, that's a caffeine kicking in. If you create a solid foundation and you, you've got measurable, achievable results then you will do so much better in the gym because like I've said in probably two podcasts, in January every year, we see this influx of new people who have never trained before, trying to train six, seven days a week, doing two and three classes back to back. And then it comes March and they're literally, they're blown. The, the central nervous system is fried. They have no idea where they're going and they've just burnt themselves out. Whereas yeah. if you get some, then say, listen, get your nutrition on point, you know, do the, the full body workouts three times a week, you'll see great results. Because, I mean, newbie will get the, what we call newbie gains. You'll get great results from the start. So it doesn't matter if you're doing, I've always encouraged, like Chris said, high reps, because I think if you've got somebody new, you start doing five sets of five, something's going to go wrong. Technique is going to go be there, and there's a lot higher risk injuries. So I was going to start, like, you know, when we did say high reps, uh, low weight versus uh, high weight, low reps and stuff. Mm -hmm. I would start people on that higher reps. And then when their skill set gets better, we'll bring them down to that, that heavy duty stuff. Because at the start, they'll just burn out. So that, that's kind of my take. You guys have kind of really, well, you've kind of really been you know, on the head with all. So. Yeah. And guys, what about like the other things? So, uh, you know, a lot of people focus on like just like strength or power. Um, you know, you, you specialize more in, you know, um, the Olympic lifts and stuff. What yeah. other factors do you find are hugely important? The, the problem you have with Olympic weightlifting is everybody thinks that, you know, if you lift weights, you can do Olympic weightlifting, and it's not the case at all. You need to have a very good degree of flexibility. So initially, you need to be able to squat and deadlift, but I need to always get my clients to be able to overhead squat so we can do like a snatch or catch a front squat without the elbows dropping, which, and if people can't, if people do a front squat and they can't, get the elbows up high and they're dropping, what that's going to do is going to bring their chest forward. So put uh, stress on the spine. So that comes in the case like lat flexibility and things like that as well. So if people come to me and they've got a base of squat and deadlift, but their mobility is not there, I will put them on some kind of mobility program. Um, we're just to get that flexibility and stuff like that. You know, um, if somebody comes in that are a complete beginner, We'll walk through a kind of beginner program, but what I would probably do at the start is is get them doing things like uh, some kind of sprint training in there. I would get them doing some uh, jump training, so things like like standing long jumps. I would get them doing standard uh, long jumps with one leg takeoffs, vertical jumps. Uh, I would get them doing things like like throws, medicine ball throws, um, and also things like farmer carries and overhead carries and things like that as well which people would go, why the hell am I doing this? But it's that kind of, I'm utilising the muscles that need to do, but it's that kind of explosiveness and yep. farmer carries and all that kind of stuff, stuff above the head. You're, you're kind of, in a way, mimicking the lifts. 
So I then do some skill work because Olympic weightlifting takes a hell of a lot of skill. You can be as strong as you want, but if you've not got the skill set there, it's uh, it's an absolute no-no. So there needs to be a big degree of flexibility initially, and then a, a good degree of skill as well. Uh, if you can't squat or deadlift, you're not Olympic weightlifting. Fact. Um, you could. No, nah, I wouldn't actually start anybody. I'm going to say you could, but I wouldn't start anybody weightlifting. That'd be crazy. Uh, and we shoot myself in the foot. But no, it, it's from that point of view, you really, you really, really have to. You need to have some kind of training experience. I wouldn't recommend a beginner to do it. You need to have some good training experience in it. Get some good fundamentals in it, and then be stable at those big compound movements. You know your squats, your deadlift, your presses, yeah. overhead squats. I mean, how many clients have we got right now that could actually stand with a bar, lock their lats in, and then squat down with a bar above their head? That's what I mean. It's mm. it's a, it's but an area that. are saying no way, I can't do that. So can I get them to do a snatch? No. That's me. It's an area that is it's so often overlooked. Those other aspects to exercise, you know, um, you know, your flexibility, you know, your your mobility, how well you move, your balance, your coordination, and people, yeah. it's overlooked so much in exercise. You know, oh, that doesn't matter. All I want to do is squat or deadlift. It's like yes, but you know, if you're squatting and you've got like eighty kilos on your back and you aren't stable and you don't have balance and you don't have the flexibility to hold that weight and go through that movement in its full range then you know you're not squatting properly and you could injure yourself and it's an area as well i like to focus on like people come to me and you know they're wanting weight loss and they wonder why i've got them doing like a one-legged romanian deadlift you know without any weight they're wondering why i'm doing that and i'm going because you need to be stable you need to have your foot flat on the floor holding your weight and able to stay balanced when you're doing squats and when you're doing deadlifts and when you're doing all these other exercises and it's often you see at the start people are like they trust me that i know what i'm doing but it's not until like three months later that they look back and they go now i understand why you made me do that stuff you know, yeah. so it's so common that initially, you know, you might not think that those things matter, but over time you'll look back and go, thank goodness that we did focus on those things. And like, even though I didn't understand why at the start, now I totally get why we had to focus on that. I'm going to touch on something you said as well, actually, once again, I'm shaking my penny. Um, you know, you're talking about like doing stuff, you know, one arm done one leg. So initially when we do training, we'll do what's called bilateral movements, which basically means two two feet or two hands, should have kind of solid platform. Um to, to make that harder, you can do what's called unilateral, which is obviously what your one legged stuff or uh one arm stuff, things like that as well. Um one thing that I found very quickly, I one of my clients, um Olympic weightlifter when uh, she she does a snatch when she actually glanced the bar what i noticed is one hand was up there and one hand was down there and she'd been snatching like that with another coach for a while so there was a massive imbalance there so i think we had to kind of so i know we're talking about how to set up and things like that but sometimes we need to regress as well when we get these these uh these problems and issues so um we had to regress and kind of do some unilateral work to then kind of get that balance and stability back and kind of bring it back and focus that's a problem with um that's a problem with if you learn the wrong techniques so like let's give squatting as an example if you have an imbalance and you're pushing off one leg more than the other eventually yeah. eventually over time that will become a bad habit and yeah. you might get an injury with that you know so in something like olympic weightlifting where there's a lot of there's a lot, a lot of, of moving parts. A lot of different yeah. parts. You got the, the 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 phase one, phase two, phase three, the receiving position, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. There's a lot of things that are kind of happening there, you know, and it gets found out very, 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 very quickly. So, so yeah, that's uh, something to obviously look at as well. So yeah, one thing I, I like on that, like using one side and not the other. I I completely put that into loads of my programs where you're working one side and not the other and the reason i do that is because it's so easy for you to your stronger side to compensate for the weaker side you know if you're pushing a bar up above your head how do you know how much weight is going through your right arm and how much is going through your left 
you don't mm. you know if you're you know pushing something with your feet so you're doing a leg press so you're pushing a plate like away from you how do you know how much weight's going through your right leg and your left you don't and what often happens is that our stronger side will take more of the brunt than our weaker side you know and the thing i use as an example is you know you take, think you're taking your shopping out of your car you're going to load up your stronger arm and you're going to open doors or gates or close the boot with your weaker hand. It's what we do. So when you're then in the gym, it makes sense to work them by themselves. So I challenge anybody, try doing a movement like, say, a shoulder press. So you've got a weight in your hand and you're pushing above your head. Do, say, 10 repetitions with your left hand and then try the same on your right hand. And what you'll probably notice is like one side will feel weaker than the other. So you might get to rep eight and one of your arms might feel tired where the other hand didn't feel tired at all. And that's a sign that you need to just keep working through those, you know, and building them up at the exact same rate. So what you need to do is once you find out which side is weaker is do those first. So say for me, for example, my weaker side is my left. So anytime I do one-sided movements, I make sure I do my left first. So I've got more energy and more focus to make sure I can move that side. But I only work at my weaker side's rate. So say my left side can, it can, you know, squeeze out at 10 kilo weight, right? I do 10 kilos on my right, whether it feels good, whether it feels too easy or not, I have to try to bring them up evenly. I heard one time someone came to me and was like, oh, you know, I was told to do, you know, an extra set on a weaker side. But for me, that just worsens the imbalance, you know, because it's not just one muscle you're working at a time. You know, you're working loads of different things. So although you might feel, oh, my right leg's, you know, weak, my left leg's weaker, I'm going to do another set. You could actually be strengthening other areas that are actually stronger on that side as well. So it's important to just, you know, if you're going to do single-sided things, just make sure that you work at the exact same rate and bring them both up together. And you'll finally get to that stage where you're maybe, say, eight reps in, your left feels tired and your right feels tired. And that's at the point where you know you've kind of evened it up. So, you know, be smart with what you're trying to do, because especially early on, like we're talking about, it can have a huge impact on you later. You know, if you build up these sides early on, obviously not initially, like Gaz was just saying there, you want to make sure two feet on the ground using two arms, like especially yeah. say your first month, and then you can start to progress into these other things um, as well. But, you know, definitely take your time to, to do things correctly on each side or else it can absolutely bite you later on. And um, just as Gaz was saying with his client, yeah, you want a shoulder it. press looking like yeah <laughs> and also just the last point on that it is common for you to not be able to see these imbalances early on and it's not yeah. until you maybe lose fat or get stronger that they start to come out it happened with a client of mine we were doing bench and at the start it seemed totally fine but the more we reduced the fat and the more we were able to more see more we looked and i was like wow your shoulder you know, one of your shoulders is higher than the other. And we looked at, at the progress photos and you couldn't see it in the first photo we took. You couldn't see that one was different than the other until we reduced the fat and we could actually see like the definition and the, you know, his anatomy a whole lot better. And then we were able to pinpoint it, uh, but you couldn't see it in the first photo. So as you go along, it is as the weights and stuff start to increase, like the load on your body starts to increase, then you can start to see, you know, these little problems and imbalances coming through. And that's not a sign that you've done anything wrong. It's just a sign that you finally met a resistance that brought that problem like to the front. So don't be disheartened by that. It's all part of the process. Yeah. And I think that brings on Nicely, unless you're going to say anything, the, the topic number two today and, and how we progress through our training and through our programmes and things like that as well. Do you want to start on this one, Chris? I know you'll... Yeah, I think, I, I think I've kind of mentioned it really um, earlier. It's just um, uh, your logbook, your numbers. Um, you need to keep a track of them. Um, with the logbook, make sure you're coming in with some new goal each week to try and hit like a weekly goal um, so you've got a new either a new number to hit um, usually 
Um, if we're working right from a beginner's point of view, as we've mentioned, you're building stability control. So you're, you're not necessarily looking at the weight you're lifting. But if you're looking to build muscle, you're, you know, you're looking to add more weight over time. And um, so having that progression is tracking it. Um, otherwise, if you don't track it, you're just going to go in and you're probably not going to remember what you had to hit. You're probably not going to have the mindset of, I need to hit something new today. So you just go through the motions um, and get very stagnated with your training. Whereas if you have a number to hit, that number should maybe kind of scare you a little bit um, because progression comes with um, going to the next level and not just staying at the same level. Um, so if we stay at the same level, that's comfortable, right? But if we want to go to the next level, that's going to be hard and challenging. So it should almost like when I go and I think, oh, damn, I'm going to have to try and hit this today. This is going to be hard. And that's kind of what, almost what you want every session you go in. Um, there's a little bit of a challenge above. Um, on top of that, um, let's just think about recovery. Now, some people, or the most common thing to do would be to set like a, a mesocycle, which is essentially a long block of training and at the end have a deload and then go into a new mesocycle. I would maybe go more along the lines of take a break when you feel tired. And I think I've mentioned it before because maybe if you get to the end of a, a program, what you said was a program mesocycle, you might still have more in the tank. Um, or likewise, you might not, you might be halfway into that mesocycle and be absolutely knackered and you're like, oh, I need to complete it. So I must keep on going. So yeah, it's like, it's like, you know, your program is like a guideline, you know, yeah. you, you shouldn't live and die by it. You should kind of have a rough idea where you're going. But like you said, if you feel tired, take a break or listen if you feel your body. you've got more. Yeah. yeah. Listen to your body. Your body knows better than you and you'll, you'll get, you'll get good at really listening to your body the more you train um, and you know when it's time to take a break. And sometimes you will, you know, even though you're logging your numbers and stuff, you might get a bit, when, when you typically, if you're getting bored of your training, that might be a good sign that it's time to take a break. Or if you're feeling absolutely run down, you're starting to get a bit niggles, you feel tired when you wake up, you, you don't have too much motivation to go and do the training, take a week off, take a deload or even a deload, just go in and do light stuff. And then, then schedule a new block. And most of the time that, that works for me really. Um, when I come back and go in, it works for a lot of my clients as well. Um, but be, be very, very in tune with yourself and, and make sure you're on top of your recovery, listening to your recovery, like, um, even keep obviously like with our clients, we'll keep a track of all those sort of things as well. Um, and a check-in. Um, so we'll keep a track on recovery and sleep and everything nutrition so keep track of that um but all these aspects of training are multifaceted they're all linked into one another so usually if your sleep's off your training might be off or if you've got high stress levels then you're not going to be able to recover properly from your training as well because that's additional stress on the stress you've already got so they're all interlinked um, yeah i think whenever it comes to actual like totally what you're saying there it's all it's great information actually you know and i think whenever it comes to actually progressing though there's a few ways that people that you can do it so chris touched on it earlier you know it's if you're on your two or three times a week you can change to you know four or five times a week you know that's one way you can progress um, and you know and you can change how you do your exercises to kind of maintain the recovery like chris was saying so you might do an upper body one day and lower body the next day and because you're not working the same muscle groups you know you can do them one day after the other and then take a day off take two days off if you want you know and then you can go back in and you can maybe do the same thing again so you can increase how often you do your workouts each week, which, you know, and then you can change the type of workouts that you do. Um, you know, the, the intensity of the workout, there's, there's loads of different ways you can change the intensity. You know, the main one is like adding weight, adding resistance. But, you know, if you don't want to go down that route, 
it's totally fine. You can change, you, you call it changing the stability of the exercise. So you can make yourself stand on one foot while you do it, you know, or you can, you know, if you've seen the bossu balls, they're the things that look like a ball cut in half and you can like stand on them and they make your feet like wobble and you know you lose your balance but you can do say your squats on top of that instead of adding weight and that adds a different thing to your body because you've you've now not got the stable floor at your feet you've got this thing that like wobbles around so you know you can change your intensity in that way as well so it's not always about adding on weight you can you know increase the repetitions that you're doing so if you were doing eight repetitions and that felt fine you can change to 10 or 12 repetitions you can also increase your sets you know so if you're only doing two sets of something you can do three or four you know there's there's loads of different ways you can do it and then even within the exercise itself you can just if you're doing a squat for example instead of doing a squat that takes total of you know four seconds to complete you can make it last longer and make it last six seconds or eight seconds you know, so there's many different ways within that that you can change. But one thing I want to make very clear is don't try and do all of them in one go. <laughs> all right. So if you're going to make a progression, pick one thing that you're going to change. Okay. So if you are doing exercise, you know, and if you're going to choose that you change your weight, you only change your weight. You don't then change your weight, your reps, your sets, your, you know, the time that you're doing it for, because that's too much changing in one go you change one thing and then you do that for a little while you see how your body reacts to it and then you make a decision if you're going to change anything else so take your time and pick the thing that's relevant for you to change again link it back to your goals there's no point in you changing to make things you know if if you're wanting to you know lift like a hundred kilo deadlift there's no point in you starting to then be doing you know completely mad kind of things with your your um the things that you're changing you have to make sure that it's all again realistic to what you're trying to achieve and specific to your goal so although weight is a fantastic one especially in the time we're in at the minute there's those other ways that you can change your progression as you go but like i said pick one and stick with it because then you can measure it accurately you can measure how well or how different that has made you feel if you change three things in one go you have no idea which one worked which one didn't work so by changing one thing and measuring how that makes how that changes then you can accurately decide whether it was a good change or a bad change and sometimes like especially when you're doing it by yourself you know it, it will be a trial and error thing you might decide that adding weight just doesn't you you feel uncomfortable you don't feel safe but you might feel safer increase it adding an extra set on or adding a few extra reps so you know especially if you're doing it by yourself pick one thing change it but make sure you have your way of measuring that as well link it always back to the smart goals how are you going to measure if that one thing you change has helped you or just kept you where you are and it hasn't really done anything so yeah that's just my side on like how to actually progress like different ways and um, because i think it's important to have different options and not just think that you have to slop on you know weight all the time it's again it's purely goal dependent and making sure it's specific to you i always think uh weight should be the last thing that increases before anything else before you should have you know that's the last for me, that's one of the last training variables that should should increase um, for a movement. So you need to make sure um, you can do that for your your kind of the, the set volume put, and you can do it comfortably for the technique control before then going on to add the weight. Um, obviously, yeah, but how many times do we see it though? Exactly, yeah. but obviously, like your advanced level sort of athletes and stuff might. They'll, they'll nail the technique and they might be able to progress a bit quicker with that adding in the load um, but for, for your beginners obviously look at the other training variables that you can improve so frequency well well probably training volume slowly adding in a bit more training volume and then frequency etc before really keep on slapping on the weight and you know how often do you see someone going in and setting a a five by five program where they're doing on the strength base less and that's their starting point five by five um which i'm not saying is a bad program it's not but 
like for a real beginner starting point. And then each week they keep adding, adding weight onto that. I'm just not too sure if that's the best way forward. But again, it's again, it goes down to the individual and stuff. And so it is quite individualized. So again, but no, I'm with you on that, Chris. And yeah. it gives me the absolute fear when you see someone who's a brand new beginner going under a bar that's loaded and they don't even they don't know how to breathe during an exercise. How many yeah. times do you have people said I forget to breathe and breathing is hugely important, how you manage it, you know they don't have any control over the movement they don't know how to brace their stomach and their whole core and keep everything tight and it gives exactly. me the absolute fear i've actually trained someone for six months before they even had a bar on their back because we needed to focus on all those other things like their balance their stability their breathing all of that before they even had a bar on their back so it gives me the absolute fear when i see people first sessions with bars on their back and stuff it just absolutely yeah. terrifies me but like you said, yeah. it's each to their own. Each coach kind of has their own way. But, you know, personally, that just, I've, I've, I would pass out if I tried to do that with the client in the first go. Yeah, I think as well, like the client, you need to, it's a constant learning process. So the client needs to know what they respond well to as well. Like whether that improvement be sort of increases in volume or w which exercises work well for that client. I mean, I had a client, I can't remember which exercise she had on, just simply wasn't feeling the movement. And we switched to a similar exercise and that was much better. Mm -hmm. um, there's obviously, everyone's built slightly differently with um, their anatomy. So certain movements, which might be more geared, think of a weight, uh, Olympic weightlifter or someone who's really strong at a squat. They, their, their limb lengths are really short. Their, yeah. their bodies... Their body is almost proportional to their leg length. So they're ideal, they're built for squatting. Some yeah. people aren't quite built for that movement and won't feel it in the muscle groups that are required. So exercise selection is quite important as well as coaches and for the client to figure that out is really important. So, yeah. 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 Once again, guys, you're taking the words out of my mouth as well. Um, one thing though, especially when we're talking about progression, which I don't do, I know we can increase the, the, the sets and the reps and we can talk about time under tension as well. Mm -hmm. uh, Chris, I know you, I don't know if you do that with your clients from a bodybuilding perspective. Yeah. That. Yeah. One thing that I don't really do, to be perfectly honest with you, I never really have done, is reduce the rest. Unless someday, yeah, unless we're doing something completely different or we've, we're doing a completely, trying to, do something completely, they maybe yeah. come back from an injury or something like that. That's one thing I don't like to I see. I don't either. I don't Right, I've got this program, and then what I do is, especially once again, your classic is your, your hypertrophy or your five by five. It's documenting, you should maybe do between, anywhere between three and five minutes. Be like, now nah, I'm going to take two. So they do five and then four and then one. It's just, that's one thing I don't like to do. No. So I'm glad you guys didn't really touch on it. Um, no, I didn't include it either because it's not something I, it, it, you no. need that rest, you know, and Absolutely. I would, the only time I would play with rest is if I'm doing, if someone's doing like hit or it's specific for a sport or if it's something like that, yeah. I would never do it in a, in a resistance or like a program situation. I, I have been playing about rest periods at the moment because of the circumstances and people can only use body weight and we need to look at everything yeah. at the moment. But when it comes to the gym scenario... In general, you know, in general, I wouldn't yeah. touch it either, and guys. It, I'm with especially you. Especially when you get progress and you get, you're able to lift a lot more and progress through your lifting career. Sometimes you need like a lot of rest before you... You'll know, you'll, you'll be able to figure it out before you can... Ex execution of the movement comes before that, the rest period. Yeah, so yeah. if you have a minute of rest and you're, not, you're still not rested, you're gonna you're gonna screw up that next set. They go into the mentality of every set counts. I need to execute this set perfectly to progress. And if you have that mindset, then um, yeah, you're gonna progress. Uh, otherwise, if you just again that go that will go back to going through the motion. So yeah, I I know what you mean. Like rest isn't one I would really play about. With like you said, Ash. Unless say for example, we've been you you've had a client, you've been training, doing strength training, whatever. And then something's happened 
either they've been away for ages or there's an injury or they, they can't really do as much. Yeah, you maybe do that kind of hip stuff or like a class-based scenario where your times are shorter or this and that. Mm. Fight. But that's one thing, one fundamental, yeah, you can up the resistance and the sets and the reps and all that kind of stuff. But especially for Olympic weightlifting, you know, I'll start when, when I get clients initially doing Olympic weightlifting, we'll do a lot of skill work. You know, if we get the basis there doing squat and deadlifting, great, we can work on that strength, but they'll do an initial skill work. But if I'm going to get like, say, and once again, I'll do measure cycles like you let yourself, Chris, normally if they're hitting it pretty intense, maybe three, four weeks and then we'll deload for a week. Because uh, obviously Olympic weightlifting, it takes a lot of your body, takes a lot of your joints, your shoulders, your knees, because you're doing a lot of squatting, etc. But um, uh, once I've done that, mastered that skill set, if I'm, say, for example, doing, you know, near that mesocycle, hitting that peak, uh, that, that peak week, if I'm saying to get a client saying, right, we're going to do snatches today at 85, 90% of your one RM, 10 singles, they'll need that three to five minutes to recover. Yeah. If I get them doing yeah. a 80% lift, I guarantee within four or six reps, either they'll fall on their arse, They'll just not get pulled up, or they'll just not be able to get above. The, they'll just not be going at the second pull phase. They'll just not be able to do it. Yeah. Um, so I'm glad that you both didn't say, "Oh, I take my clients. I take three minutes and then we drop it at one." Because I've seen that a lot, and I've seen coaches do it. But I kind of look at it and go, "The body just doesn't. It hasn't recovered in that time to actually exactly what you want to do." So all you're doing is what they, when I first started in the industry, <clears throat> showing my age now, forty, when in two thousand and two. There'd be this kind of scenario and say, just give your clients a beast and just just do them. Oh, yeah, just, just hammer them, give yeah. them 20 seconds rest and just wreck them. And people were crawling out of gyms. And you just destroyed them. And that was the thing. Not saying every trainer, but there was a kind of mentality around that time back in the good old days. Where, yeah, yeah, where you, you had to be like crawling out of a gym for it to be working. To be working, yeah. The rest but, period was something that that unless you've got your old school bodybuilder, you know, walking about with the denim shorts and the DM boots on, and <laughs> you didn't really see that. Everybody was like, oh, I'm taking a minute, minute after. It was that kind of rest was a, no, no, rest. You didn't need rest. You just need to get in and hammer it. And, you know, it, I'm glad to say that here that you both didn't say that you start reducing your client's rest time. And I've said to clients, you know, once, once they start getting good at Olympic weightlifting, my sessions go up to an hour and a half. I don't take an hour. I don't train them in an hour. Um, oh yeah, no, I've I've seen you. It's like you know, yeah. you have to go through the process and do it right. And I think you know that's what this this whole podcast. Hopefully, what people have got from it is that you know there there's a structure to everything that you have to do. You know, there, there's a you have to understand where you start from. You have to understand what your plan is. How often are you going to train? What type of training are you going to do? How intense is it going to be? And then you need to go into what exactly that is going to look like in your actual programs. And, you know, and then you have to measure it and make sure it's accurate and stuff. So what, what we're actually going to do is we're going to have like a bonus little PDF with this podcast that will go through the, the smart goal. Um, the intensity stuff so that you can have a little idea of exactly what to do so make sure that you grab that from the Facebook page as well and that will kind of take you through that if there's anything you might have missed don't worry about scribbling all down we can have it there for you nothing too crazy just to give you a little bit of help with making sure that you know what you're doing with those as well yeah and also guys if you need any if you're really unsure about anything in the podcast just reach out to us, send us an email or if there's, you know, send one of us an email or something or a message on um, Facebook, Instagram, because we're more than happy to help as well. Um, so, yeah, reach out to us for sure. Yeah, and I think before we finish, guys, and I think we've actually touched on this anyway, but, you know, the, the third aspect of our podcast we want to do is, is kind of common mistakes. And we've probably already touched on previous podcasts and today already, but from common mistakes from a, a kind of, program and training perspective ash what, what's what, what give me your top three to five what you would see to be honest i don't even have a three to five i just have one and it's lack of planning that is the common mistake i see is lack of planning like a lack of direction and yeah. it's the most single most important thing that you need to work out is exactly what we kind of talked about about cracking at the start it's where are you now where have you been where do you want to go have that plan in place and no matter what you do after that 
if you always have that in your head, everything you do is stemmed towards that goal, what you're trying to achieve. You will achieve it, you know? So my thing is just plan exactly where you want to be. Now, you will have roller coasters up and down. There'll be days where, you know, you do something that doesn't exactly line up with your goal. That is fine and that is normal, okay? But it's having that in your head and knowing when, you know, to no one when to go right now i'm taking the piss that's not going to get me to that goal you know let's get back you know let's get back let's start and let's go because i need to get that goal so my thing is just know where you're trying to go and make sure it means enough to you that you will make those little sacrifices for you know when you don't you know when you cannot be bothered to do your workout right and let's face it we have all had those days where you just can't be bothered have your goal as that thing that's going to get you up and get you to do that workout so you might huff and puff and moan and it might be awful and blah blah blah, but you need to have a goal that when you have those days it gets you up and it gets you to do your workout whether it is the best workout you've ever done or the worst if the workout is done you are a step closer to your goal so make sure that your goal you pick is like your be all and end all. It means that much to you um, and plan so that you achieve it. And that is honestly, that's the thing that um, I don't, you know, that um, I, I see a lot is that people don't have that goal that is means that much to them, you know. And if you feel like you, just to finish off, if you feel like that, where you can't be bothered with your workout, blah, 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 and you don't do the workout, you then know that your goal doesn't mean as much to you as what you thought. So then you need to sit down and go, right, why am I really doing this? Because the reason I thought before wasn't enough to get me up to do that workout. So I need to find out something that will get me up when I really don't want to, to do that workout. So that's basically what I have to say is know exactly what you want and make sure it's worth it. Cool. Chris, are you got anything? Yeah, I think I very much agree with that. Um, and I think I'm just going to really just add a point to that um, um, is maybe um, people have some sort of goal, but they feel quite overwhelmed. Um, I think that's a big thought, general thought of people who are absolute beginners because you go on like um, social media and see loads of different styles of workouts and there's loads of information coming out at you and you don't know what to do or sets, reps, everything. So maybe what you actually need is someone to guide you through the process and um, take it one step at a time and help you sit down and set the goals. So maybe, maybe my point is people maybe not hiring a coach when they need a coach. Um, and I'm not saying that a lot of people can probably just go on their own and, and learn themselves and go through the process, but some people might need that a bit of structure and a bit of clarity, and that's where a coach can maybe come in um, to help. So, yeah, that, that would be my one if you're feeling overwhelmed. Maybe reach out to someone. It might not necessarily have to be a coach, but someone who's maybe you inspire up or you look up to and who's, who knows how to get there. Um, and just just question everything as well because um, you know like there's a lot of kind of bogus advice out there and stuff so make sure you have like don't take everything that's been gospel make sure you do your own research um, as well um, so you know that that person's talking some sense um, and usually if someone doesn't know the answer like they should they should say they don't know like that's my thing is like if you're not sure about something you should always say oh, i don't really know and then you know look it up for yourself but yeah that would probably be my only point to add to that i think what ashley mentioned is number one key yeah definitely and, and, yeah. and my only thing i would add to that and we've touched about this already is that a common mistake i see is when people get in the gym and they start to get their training ready they might not have the nutrition on point or the recovery on point. So one out of three as well, or, you know, the nutrition's good, but their training's a bit half-arsed and they've got no sleep. So that's a kind of common mistake. I, I see quite a lot of them like, oh yeah, I'm training three, four times a week. I'm doing good. How's your nutrition? Oh, I didn't ask. How's your recovery? Yeah. Oh, I've got four, four hours last night. These all kind of go hand in hand with each other. And it's I know a we're balance. Not, yeah, yeah, we're not talking about a complete beginner, 
Well, yeah, actually, no. Do you know what? Yeah, yeah. Ideally, we would be. Um, because, but they all kind of coincide with each other. But a lot of times, even when I speak to guys who come at the gym who have been lifting a lot, you know, yeah, they, they hammer out a session and you see them getting utter shit and their recovery is just non-existent. You know, it's just it's just bad. So that's one thing that I think, you know, but it, that, that's just my point of view for there. So but yeah. I'll be back at the end of the day. Absolutely. Yeah. Cool. So I think that's us. Podcast number six wrapped up. That's us. That's, that's yeah. it. So, guys, I hope you enjoyed that. That's podcast number six done. And as always, um, we'll be putting content on our Just a Chat Facebook page. Uh, as I said, we're also on Spotify as well. So, if you're out on a walk with a dog, you know, get the headphones in and get listening to that. Keep your uh, your points coming in. Keep the questions coming in. As Chris said, you know, if you need to reach out to one of us, then by all means do so. We're here to help every single one of us. And uh, so, stay safe throughout this global pandemic, and we'll we'll see you next week. Bye, guys. See you later. Bye.